All right. So uh, I guess um, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, you know, so good, so good to have you with us. Uh, this is uh, AJ Sherman uh, back on the Long Lost Heroes podcast to do a recap, a movie discussion on the latest DCEU film, Shazam, uh, with my good buddy. Shazam! <laughs> Shazam! Back in, the, back in the city that never sleeps, my hometown, uh, New York City, my good friend. How are you doing tonight, Frank? What's going on, my buddy? I'm doing great. I think we, it's been a while since we've done one of these where we've got the long distance in between us. Um, yeah. You know, but... You know, I'm glad that we can keep it up. Uh, you know, well, this is what we did it for. Like, I, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I hate to shit on other people's creative projects, but like, this is my favorite part of what we're doing here because we can literally be anywhere, and we're still working on it, and we still have it, and we still got it going, and we can find a fucking uh, internet dial-up and get on the shit and be able to bring it to you guys. And I know the sound quality on my end may not be up to the spec as the other episodes, but uh, listen, nothing makes me happier than to be able to dial in remotely while I'm in Nashville by my motherfucking self. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and I've had no one to talk to this movie about. Right, yeah, and, and like that was the thing. Back when, when I was living in D.C. and you were in New York, it's like, all right, well, we want to talk about it, but we're... 300 miles apart but we still should do it anyway and so to be able to keep that up is pretty cool and you know we know you're going to be traveling over the next couple of months as as we continue to the podcast so it's huge know, it, it just it's a it's a good thing that we can keep doing this it's huge it means um, everything to me so um you said you saw it on friday so we're recording monday night um i saw it saturday night where did you see it where where were you where in the world is aj sherman <laughs> yeah i was home uh, I pretty much took Thursday and Friday to kind of get my shit together and um, work, but also mainly focus on getting myself organized for another bout of travel. Uh, if anyone doesn't know, I travel for work uh, pretty much, uh, I would say, every other week. Uh, I sell medical equipment, and right now is the middle of trade show season, so I'm here in uh, Nashville, Tennessee for the American Operating Room Nurse uh show of the year uh and it's been super fun so far so if you've seen us come on down to the booth but if you haven't and you're tuning into this podcast welcome back anyway uh i was home i was in jersey city and i went to my home theater in uh the newport mall which is actually pretty good uh it's amc so it takes my stubs and you know i, I got a decent seat and uh just dug right in awesome That's where'd you guys go so we went to Alamo Draft House, which was awesome. Um, how was how was that? It was great. So I've seen a couple of movies there now. Um, it's really close to me. Like it's really easy to get to. It's right in downtown Brooklyn. Um, and the guys came out, and it was really cool because uh, neither of them had been there. I think Evan had been to what's the other one? Ipix. It's, sure. it's like a similar yep. kind of experience. Um, but yeah, so I mean, basically, it's you've got your reserve seating like everywhere else, um, but you've got a table and and table service and like, for what it's worth, like I you know people that haven't experienced it, it's it's really cool. Um, you may be skeptical because you would think that it would be disruptive, but it's really not. Like the wait waiters and waitresses do a fantastic job. They have this whole system where you just like write on a little table card, and you put it up like face up, so they know when they come by. 
they don't, you don't even talk to them throughout the movie. They come by before the movie starts, and you you can order a whole bunch of stuff. So you're definitely encouraged to get there early, which is great. And there's none of that nonsense, and you have your own seat. Um, the food's great. We had like um, you know special popcorn, and like I got a chicken sandwich, and you can have alcohol too, which is great. So that nice. fun. I had a couple of mixed drink cocktails while we were there. Um, and I know the guys have like a flatbread and, uh, some desserts and things. So like, it's, it's pretty cool. Cause, and then like you get towards the, I don't know, three quarters of the movie and they, they cut it off and that's fine because you know, you're almost done. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was a cool experience. I'm glad we did that. And yeah, I, I think we had a really fun crowd too. You know, it was, uh, the, the night after release. So we had, um, some really enthusiastic fans i'd say well that's like dope because i gotta tell you my past two uh theater experiences i've just been seeing people who are completely copacetic with being in a theater and not at all thrilled about seeing you with an audience (laughs) like there's just no enthusiasm okay uh that's so unfortunate it's it's (laughs) completely unfortunate it and especially for this movie which I think has a lot of fun in it. I mean, okay, so, uh, I mean, let's do standard rules. I mean, we got, like, five minutes of, like, straight, you know, non-spoiler uh, talk, and then let's dig in like we always do. So, uh, I, Sounds I, good. I dug this movie. Um, Frank, what did you, I, did you dig this movie? Did you guys like it? What it was the feel among our friends? Yeah, I like this movie a lot. I, I think, um... General consensus from our group was was positive. Um, I, you know, I liked it a lot. Um, love it, maybe. I think it's one of my favorite DC movies in a while. Um, or you know, if you're if you're looking at the whole, like this is one of the top, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and it, you know, it, it almost has no right to be if you think about it. It's like it, it, they, it, it made like the least amount of money out of all of them. It's this character that is not as well known as Batman or Superman or Wonder Woman by any standards, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I love Zachary Levi though, so I'm, I was a little biased. <laughs> well, he just like like okay, so he 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 slaughtered this movie. Like it's not even that yeah. he killed it, he he murderized it. He knocked it out of the park. There's. Zachary Levi genocide, and that's just the bits of the film laid around. Like, literally, uh, there's he makes this movie. There is no fantastic Shazam without him. And I think that it, it's so amazing that he got to deliver this amazing performance while at the same time being the kind of stand-up guy that he is. So it, it, it's kind of like... I don't know how you can be more. I don't know how you could not love the center of this film. That is Zachary Levi's Shazam, the embodiment of older Billy Batson. If you've seen the trailers, you've seen this already. You get the concept. Ultimately, Shazam is a superhero that was written back in the 40s, where a little kid says Shazam, he turns into a superhero with pretty much all the powers of Superman. Uh, you know, give or take a few here and there. Uh, Zachary Levi brings a delightful whimsy to this movie where you believe that he is a little kid in certain points and he they really deliver on what you would do if you're 14, 15 and you suddenly have 
most of the powers of Superman. Uh, did this movie like get like any applause breaks in your theater? Because this movie yes. got la- you see that's what I've missed. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, there were a couple and that was kind of cool. Cause yeah, I mean, you've got, you know, it, it's hard because you, you want to, uh, I, I liked, um, I think his name is Asher Angel who played, um, young Billy Batson. Obviously like you never see him and, and Zachary Levi interact. So I think that doesn't do him as much justice because like his, um, brother, uh, is it, is it Freddie? His, his brother, um, yeah, yeah, his stepbrother, whatever. Right, yeah, like he, yeah, his stepbrother. So like they, they have like such a great bond. Like that, that actor, uh, that kid is great. And so like you've got these dynamics between so many um, different actors that really make it a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I, I, there's a big moment that I won't get to now because it's definitely spoiler filled. But like that's when when I think all the the whole audience really was on board and was cheering and that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it, it's, it's a, a fun ride. It's really funny. Um, it's, it's lighthearted, you know, a lot of what it's very much like the antithesis to some of the DC movies up until this point. Obviously we've seen some shifting in that regard with Aquaman and, and wonder woman to a degree. So, uh, but it looks like they're on on the right path. I, I'm I'm game for more. Um, any other thoughts pre spoiler talk? Yeah, I, I think that this movie, uh, something that Warner's and I think DC benefit from, and we're gonna get into this I'm sure later on is that while yes, like they've been more stride striding and striving with these uh, you know one off experience films that just have to be good movies. And I think a lot of the times, you know, we're happy to kind of wrap all of it up in a nice bow and kind of hand it back and say, oh, like, this is a great superhero movie because of X or because of Y or, or whatever. This one, I think, succeeds and really, I think, really only exists based on the performances of the actors. And I think that that's something that we've really... Uh, that maybe is overlooked in, in other films that we go to and we, and we discuss on the podcast. And that if Zachary Levy, it, Zachary Levi or Levy, whatever you want to pronounce his name, if he isn't fully committed to being a 15-year-old person in a superhero superhero's body, this movie falls apart. And if he doesn't uh, relate to the Freddy character in a way that is believable as another peer rather than some old dude yelling at a young kid this movie falls apart. And I think that one of the things I, I want to shout out and really draw attention to here is that while it may not be an Oscar nominating performance that, you know, draws such emotion out of a crowd, this brings a relatability and a universality to this role that I think is going to make this movie live on in a cool way. We've seen Superman movies mm-hmm. before. We've seen Batman movies before, but we've never seen a movie do the things that this movie did and I think that it kind of, uh, you know, kind of really walks a tightrope that so many other movies try to and then fail. Before we get into spoilers, yeah. like think about Mystery Men. All right, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Ben oh, Stiller, yeah. one of Ben Stiller's most underrated performances. Hank Azaria, William H Macy, Janine Garofalo, Kel Mitchell. I mean, it's a stacked cast. I, I, I mean. 
I, I'd even mention uh, arguably my favorite actor of all time, which is uh, Pee Wee Herman, Mr. Paul Rubens as the spleen. Right, right, Arguably right. Oh, breaking man. back into all of our hearts again. Like, this movie had to talk about superheroes without referencing any superheroes. And you had to relate to them in a way that you got that they understood the comic book aspect of superheroes all the way to the hyper-realism that we're seeing in the very beginning of the movie. So I think that this movie, like Spawn and like Mystery Men of those 90s kind of superhero movies that had to come out that didn't have a whole MCU or a DCU to latch onto and dig its paws into, like this movie will stand alone, but also like so many of the movies that we love doesn't skip on the missed opportunities to sink its teeth into the DCU and firmly plant itself in there to say, hey, we're watching these movies too. Let's be self-aware about it. Enjoy. Yeah, no, you're you're 100% right. It it has fun with itself. It it's self-referential. It has, you know, obviously like references to the characters that exist in that world and and the uh actors or the, the the kids in the universe like they love superheroes and so like it's a real thing and it's it, it, it's something that comes out of like our real life where it's like oh yeah wouldn't it be awesome to have the power of flight or power of invisibility and like they set that up from the get-go and so like as he becomes shazam you know you can really feel for him and like uh, some of you were saying before like with with zachary levi like he i've been following him for a while like he on chuck back in the day like basically was a superhero on that show and was like a nerd at heart and like he worked in uh you know a best buy kind of thing and he was just always had this like lightheartedness about him and was just like the everyman the kid that loves superheroes and comics and everything that like that character like really is like his own persona like zach is that guy like he had with comic-con all these years um had his, his own uh, organization called nerd hq that he did where they like had um uh oper- they supported with the charity of, of operation smile for a while and they had interviews with um you know different actors and and superheroes and and everything like that like it, it was really its own cool thing latched onto comic-con that like unfortunately i think in recent years hasn't been able to happen but like he lives and breathes this stuff and so to see him finally get his moment like yeah he was in the mcu and like but it wasn't it wasn't he didn't really get his his shot and like this was it and like he got pretty buff and he really had a good time he's he he was really fun and hilarious so um but yeah let's get into some of the details because that's what we all want to talk about. Um, so we're going to put up our spoiler warning now. So in three, two, one, we're going to talk full spoilers now. If you haven't seen the movie yet, go away and come back, which I don't know why you'd be listening in the first place. <laughs> um, anyway, so yes, uh, Shazam is is a blast. We have cameos. We have... Um, you know, actually, like a, a pretty decent villain. I will say, I like Mark Strong. I like the character of Doctor Zavanna, and I like his take on him. And I'm glad that he survives in the end. I don't love the way they did the Seven Deadly Sins. What do you think? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, um, Frank. I, <laughs> I, I, okay. <sighs> 
I gotta tell you, for me, this was like the perfect first movie villain. This was like, uh, yeah, sure. This was perfect. I mean, I'll give you both ends of it. Yes, like Mark Strong, like from the very beginning, like you're doing an origin for the villain. Like we fucking love that. Like all great the, job. All the, check. The, yeah, <laughs> all the movies we saw as little kids. They're so villain-focused. I mean, go back and watch Batman. That's Joker's origin story. We were talking about this the other day. You know, like, you yeah. watch the 89 Batman. It's about Jack Nicholson and his descent into madness. Go back and watch The Mask with with uh, Jim Carrey and watch that scary Dorian bad guy go on his rampage. Like, this movie had a decent bad guy from minute one where you are connected and motivated through his entire progression I, I, I'm, dude, I loved it. I'm sorry. I, I, I loved, I loved Mark Strong. I, no, I, and I loved the '70s callback. The whole beginning in the part. I agree. I agree. I think that, the. No, no, no. I'm not saying, no. The '70s callback with the, when they're in the car and they go. He goes into the 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 realm of eternity. Is it called or the, the, I don't know. The neutrinos of eternity. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, the, the Stone of Eternity the ro- or something. The Rock of Eternity. Rock of Eternity. Okay, Dwayne the Rock Johnson of Eternity. Uh, you're down there. Dwayne the Rock Johnson of the, Eternity. Um, you get it. Uh, yeah, I mean, were the Seven Deadly Sins like convincing as like characters? No, I think it's just the it's the Seven Deadly Sins. They're like they're CGI. They don't yeah. look amazing. They, I, I wanted them to have more, um, individuality, like, because they have different, you know, like lust and envy and like all that stuff. Like, I just didn't feel they were different enough, but no. I, I appreciated like his portrayal of it. I think he did a really great job, but they could have done a little better job fleshing that out. I agree. I agree with you because, uh, having just listened to, um, I, I know I shout out podcasts on here all the time, but the unspooled guys, uh, Paul Shear and Amy Nicholson, this is like the best podcast. You should be listening to this if you're not. Uh, it's about the AFI Top 100 Movies. They just did Snow White. Mm. And they were talking about character animation and how when Disney was working with the original like OG animators on Snow White, one of the big decisions they made was that each dwarf his animation had to fit along with his character throughout the movie so that when you watch them and how they move, it reacts with how they do. You're 100% right, Frank. Like, the the demons that they made up to be the seven deadly sins were not character animated for them. You really don't feel in the way that, like, seven, I mean, the best, I mean, I mean if we're going to talk about the seven deadly sins, you can't not think about seven. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the first shot of that movie with gluttony and you see that big fat motherfucker over his, uh, you know, uh, spaghettios. Like that shit is that we don't forget that. And they had a real opportunity to maybe dig down in there and play with that. And you're right, I, I agree with you. They did not like fully flesh them out in a way that was cool. Having said that, like Frank, they weren't even different colors. They could have just done like something to Fra- signify. Frank, Frank uh, you're you're 100 right. Having said that, <laughs> watching one of these fucking things bite one of the guys' heads off in the boardroom, I'm sold. I'm done. <laughs> like, like to me, like that's something that a Marvel movie could never do. That's true. You you could never have a Marvel demon or a Marvel thing bite off a dude's head 
um, human head in the middle of the movie. And, like, they do it, and they move on, and I love that level of uh, gore, and I loved how this movie vacillated between um, super light and ridiculous, goofy bubblegum bullshit to these fucking demon creature things that had the H.P. Lovecraft, uh, you know, opening faces at different points. I, I, I like that. I like that there was... Uh, somebody gave enough of a fuck to animate decent monsters that were like yeah. re- relatively scary, whether or not they were, as, as we discussed earlier, character animated to suit who they were. Yes, th- they weren't. You're right. But I think that it, ultimately they weren't not scary. They weren't Chitauri to me. They felt more tangible. They felt more, uh, they felt more threatening to me than a Chitauri or a, you know, a drone or even the aliens in Independence Day at this point. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, okay. Uh, all right. Let, let's, let's dig in a little bit deep. Let's dig in a little bit deeper. So, uh, AKA Digimon Hansu, this motherfucker is in all the franchises. I don't know anybody who's in more franchises than Digimon Hansu. Like, not only, like, he's in, he's in fucking Captain Marvel, he's in, he's in this movie, he's in Guardians, uh, he's, he's all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and he plays the wizard Shazam, and, you know, like, he, he, he slays this. I think it may have been fun to have more of a comedic cameo, like, to me, like something that may have been fun would have been like a Miracle Max, like to have Billy Crystal as Shazam. I think would have been pretty funny. Uh, like, but that's just me. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the the thing is like Digimon Hansu. Like, I think his his take on it is definitely very serious. But they make it and play it for fun too. Like they have Billy Batson and like the, the the kid like reacting to him and like. Pfft, like what are you talking about? Like this is so ridiculous. Like you're you're so- talking about like gods and monsters and seven deadly sins. Like I, I for all I know, you could be this crazy like homeless man that like slipped me some acid or something, you know? Yeah. And so like it, that that really worked. I think having the the seriousness of it is kind of cool um, because you're you're you make a good point. If you had a comedic actor in there, it maybe would have taken us out of it a little bit too much and like less believable. But at least they still had it for laughs. Um, and then um, the other, like, speaking of the all the different wizards, so you've got Shazam, which which is uh, an acronym for, and I'm probably going to forget them all, but it's like Solomon, Zeus, and Achilles, and Hercules, and... Yeah, I, all, I, all the guys. All, uh, Mer- whatever, Mercutio. Um <laughs> <laughs> But but like you get you get this great <laughs> moment where you have um, his his like foster family like that like really throughout the movie get great character development and like even if some of them don't have as much screen time like you get this feeling that they've become a family and you know he eventually grows up and learns to like support them and then they all fucking get powers and that's literally when the entire audience erupted and clapped and it was like it was so awesome to see like especially Freddy who, you know, is handicapped and like has this like moment where he can actually fly. He's like, 
it's 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 amazing. It's really really cool and really well done, and like made me really happy to see that happen. And like, arguably, it can continue moving forward. Like that's a pretty cool. They've got like their own little super family now. Yeah, it felt um, it, it felt joyous. You know what I mean? And it also felt like the kids' movies we grew up with that had a bit of grit to them, that had a bit of. Uh, reality in them you know this movie because like i said it vacillates like you go from the high of uh zachary levy's shazam or red cyclone character saving the bus to this like tough kind of speech that freddie the uh the kid gives to zachary levi as the superhero character which is like fucking the balls on this movie to stop the freight train of momentum and say like no like fuck you are you thinking about the use of your powers like not since the dark knight or dark knight rises like have we thought about the ethos of superherodom in a way where you have to fucking deal with the consequences in a way where that freddy respects and admires superheroes yeah not only just because he's you know a super fan of them but because he can never attain you know, any of these kinds of movement that a regular person could even have. So to, you know, to idealize this and really call out uh, Billy Batson for this shit and say like, hey, like, you're squandering this, you're wasting it, you're fucking doing this for money, like, fuck you. Like, that was a, th- that was awesome. And I, and I appreciate that uh, this movie zags. I think I've said that before on different podcasts. This movie zags where I think other movies would have zigged, and that it would have it goes different directions than I think uh, you're prepared to in a in any other kind of movie. Um, yeah, and when they all become superheroes at the end, it's really fun and it, and it agreed, it's super empowering. Yeah, and, and the other thing that I, I really appreciate it's like obviously what you just said about Freddy's character is really powerful, but I just love the concept of this foster family like where at the beginning of the movie you really are rooting for billy to find his like his real mother and and all this stuff and like that like oh he's never gonna make it with the foster family but like you realize that over the course of the film he's grown up on his own without needing his you know birth mother and he finds her and is ultimately disappointed. And then he realizes what he actually had this whole time in this amazing family. And it's, you know, like, I think something we talked about a few years ago when we were talking about um, uh, Guardians Volume 2, where you have um, Yandu being Peter Quill's, like, surrogate father and, like, something that you don't realize, like, you have that's right there all along. Like, this is doing that in another way. And it has this, like really powerful message that like okay even even if you don't have you know uh birth family or you're adopted or you're you know a foster kid like there you can still be awesome whether you're a kid with superpowers or not and i think there's something really great there yeah i i I dig that and i think that this movie gives people the opportunity to take away what they see in it which is something that marvel movies and i know that it sucks i mean we're not I mean, it's crazy. We've built a podcast based on the fact that we're not doing reviews. Like, we're not reviewing these movies. We're not telling you to go see them. And, I mean, I guess it's implied that, like, these are the movies that we're watching. We assume that you're watching them as well. But we want you and uh, me and Frank are, are pretty much reenacting 
the experience of sitting in the car in the parking lot after the movie has ended uh, and kind of rehashing the experience, uh, it's crazy to me that we've gotten to this point where we've come through the hyper-realized hyper superhero, we've come through the, the, uh, the, almost the parody or the spoof of the superhero within its own franchise, and then the complete deconstruction of that in both a physical uh, Infinity War sense and a metaphysical sense in Spider-Verse, to the point where we're coming to this now, and you look at this as a live-action movie, and like, does this movie not feel like The Mask? Like, this movie feels like it came out in 1995. Yeah, well, and, it, and it's got that huge influence of the movie Big, too, right? Like, that's, sure. and that's not a superhero movie. And, like, that, that is another thing that makes it feel more fun and, and lighthearted that, that doesn't have to be based on a comic book, almost, you know? Like, the fact that it is is all the more interesting and, you know, gives you the 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 Batman and and superhero uh, Superman uh, toys in the store and like it just feels like a bigger fleshed out world, um, but yeah like I I love how it even pokes fun at superhero movies where it's like um, Shazam and Doctor Stefano are like a mile apart like in the sky and he starts oh, like doing that was, this that was... evil guy speech oh my god oh my god that I, was, I was, yeah I was dying I loved it uh, that was that was fantastic because that's because to me like that's comedy where comedy hadn't existed before like how many 100%. times have we seen agent smith and neo or superman and cast your villain or zod you know that they're up in the sky just fucking screaming at each other and we all take for granted that on the movie apparently they can hear each other what the fuck like yeah. it, dude that was great <laughs> uh i loved um Okay, let's get into what I loved here. Uh, Darla, I thought was really funny. I thought she was a cute oh, character. Oh, she's so I thought adorable. That the, I thought that the kids looked like I, other people have said this too on Channel Awesome and the and other videos, but these kids felt like real kids. Like they looked and acted and talked like I remember or hear or I'm used to hearing kids talk now. Yeah, you know what I mean. It didn't feel like some alien speak or you know, some hyper-referential kind of a thing or, like, something that's always going for a joke. Like, it just felt like these are regular fucking dumbass little kids and they don't fucking know and they're yeah. just dealing with this shit, too. Okay, I love that. I love that. Um, let's talk about uh, some things that... <sighs> okay, so I got to talk about this because I think the podcast knows where I stand on the whole Batman versus Superman thing. Um, mm -hmm. and I hope that people know that, you know, the reason I, one of the, my favorite superhero is definitely Superman. I have tons of fan art and stuff. Uh, I'm sure people are waiting to hear, uh, these motherfucking invisible people I have in my head. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was pretty pissed at the, I was pretty pissed at the end. Um, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, yeah, there is no cameo you have in this movie other than Superman. And to me, to, to kind of bluff the way that they did is insulting to Henry Cavill, which is like, to me, it's like, well, like, is Henry Cavill the perfect Superman? No, but he's our Superman. For all intents and purposes, there is no redo. And even by showing the costume the way that they did at the end of that movie, they acknowledge 
that that is the Superman that we all know and now love. And I yeah. And one of the things that I think Superman fans have been really hoping for and and were extremely looking forward to was some love and and some attention in this movie. Uh, and and I think that they really slapped him in the face. And yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna apologize for that because to me there. Henry Cavill is Superman. That is Superman's costume. That is Henry Cavill's costume. It's not the Christopher Reeves costume. It's not the Brandon Routh costume. This isn't Tom Wellington bullshit. That is what Henry Cavill (laughs) wears. You pay the motherfucker his money, and you say, we need you to fucking show the fuck up. The fans adore you. They want to see you succeed and be here. Um, And this movie, while it doesn't depend on you showing up, the consistency of the fact that we have to show who the fuck it is and that alluding to it is not enough is different. It's different than the Iron Man costume. It's different than Iron Man showing up. I understand Iron Man is a fully CG character. I understand Robert Downey isn't in every shot. But you best believe that when Iron Man touches down or when... Or even think about this, that when they show Iron Man cameos... They're not showing. They're not showing the Iron Man suit. They're showing fucking Stark. Yeah, and that's what makes a cameo a cameo, and that to me is one of the fundamental reasons why Warner's just doesn't get it. Probably won't ever really get it, and it's a and it makes me sad and fearful for Cavill because if I was Cavill at this point and I'm seeing how successful this movie is with the budget that they had for it, that they could make a Superman movie on. Yeah, uh, it, it. I would be pissed. I would be yeah. upset, and I would be frustrated. And uh, I'm sorry about that. I love this movie, but to me, as a Superman stan, as a stand for Superman, what the motherfucking fuck? I turn now to you. Yeah, Frank Marsilio. So okay, it, it, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's definitely the same universe. They have the batarangs. It's like they they know Aquaman exists. It's like these same characters were only a few years out. It's not they haven't rebooted yet. Like they they choked it up to saying that it's it was scheduling conflicts. They wanted to have Henry Cavill. Blah 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 blah. It's bullshit. Like make it work. Make it work. Even if you can't have him show up in in the door. And you do this whole thing with the body double with the suit. At least have him do some ADR and say, you know, one of his catchphrases or something. And, like, so we know it's his voice. Like, that, like, I know it's still a cop-out. But, like, it just doesn't feel like they did it justice. Like, okay, so what is this? Like, yeah, I don't know. It it is unfair. even Even the ADR, you're right. To Even to have him say, like, and also a big fan of justice or like, or like, or like, I just, or like, I just flew in and brought my arms tired. Like who gives a fuck? Like it, some it, doesn't matter what he says. As long matter. as you can hear his voice, right? You need, you need Henry Cavill. We need Henry Cavill. And what I hope is that there is a little bit of a fervor and an uproar of the fans to be like, no Superman two, man of steel two. We are down. We have seen enough Batman movies. I am sorry. I've seen it. I know what happens to Batman. I know all of Batman's bad guys. All the good ones have had movies about them already. <laughs> They've really only done two Batman villain, two Superman villains that are really threats to Superman. There are, at best, maybe five or six that are really fun. 
and they've never touched the best one, Brainiac. Yeah. So for me, like, as a Superman fan, it was really, I, I just feel bad for Cavill, and I want him, I want him back. I want the want people at Warner Brothers to hear the, uh, the fucking upset firmament of DC fans that are saying, yeah, you had a good movie, but you did not stick the fucking landing on the post credit scene. Yeah. And that's what I think that they have to learn is different from Marvel. Yes, this movie stands on its own away from Marvel in a way that Thor, the Dark World, will never understand. Like, this movie, you could show this movie to a kid who had never seen a superhero movie before, and they would fucking get it. Yeah. Because it's, and it's not even about having seen Justice League or Man of Steel or Batman vs. Superman. It's that a little kid knows who Superman is. A little kid knows who Batman is. And you know the experience of wanting to be a superhero when you're a little kid. Yeah. And and the, the other thing is, like, as a little kid, any kid really, probably wouldn't even care or know if they didn't see Henry Cavill's face. They're, they're probably just like, wait, why, where's his, why is he not in the full shot? Like, it doesn't matter what he looks like. They could have recast him. They could have put somebody there. It just is like a cop-out of having, you know, showing half of his body, like... They said this is in-universe, and they should have, like, delivered on it. Um, well, well, it's not even that. It's that it's what the difference between... Okay, here it is. You see, this is a great DC movie with a shitty stinger. There could be a fucking run-of-the-mill, boring-ass Marvel movie, but if it has a decent to good post credit scene, you're walking out of that movie happy. Yep. And that's, and that's the difference. You're you're 100 right. So the other thing that really put a sour note in, in my mouth, and you said you didn't stay for the final final post credit, right? No, I didn't stay for the end. You didn't stay for the end. Okay, so I just stayed for the mid credits with with the uh, caterpillar. Okay, so I'm gonna spoil the final final post credits for you now, and you're gonna be glad that you didn't stay oh, because it's kind of bullshit. So. You know how through the movie they keep doing these like superhero tests of like okay what what powers does he have and like it's a great thing that they keep doing throughout the movie and there are some really cool bits and it's really funny. Um, but ultimately, it really left a bad taste in my mouth because it it starts with um, you know there's like a fish tank with, with a fish in the bowl and they throw up like you know superhero test. Um, talking to fish or something and like you have Zachary Levi trying to to talk and communicate to a fish and then it, it flips over to to Freddy and he's wearing an Aquaman t-shirt and so it's like everyone knows that's what they're referencing and like oh no I, I can't do that you know, oh well and it and it, like that's it it's like you could if they didn't have Cavill they could have at least had Momoa right and just been like have him show up and be like you know like stop trying to do this or like something because he's cooler than uh shazam like he's he's like just what are you even trying to do here like so it it really it, it land it doesn't land in my opinion i was like why did we stay this entire time for this i'm glad you didn't because you would have hated it i would be you know i would have hated that <laughs> i would have hated that <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's supposed to be a joke and it's yeah, not funny it's not funny no that's bad oh fuck yeah thank god okay uh yeah i mean <sighs> mm. all right here's what okay let's uh mm. what else can i have we talk one about other bad one yeah. other thing that is not it's not a huge complaint 
this is a missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's because this is a Christmas movie. At its heart, yes. They, it's it's a Christmas movie at its heart. It's set around Christmas time. They could have done more with that, and they should have released it in December. You're right. And it would for, go go down forever with the Jingle All the Ways and the Santa Clauses and the Home Alones, and it would be a really fun or in a Batman Returns. Like we had our you know our podcast back a couple months ago saying what our favorite holiday movies yeah. are. This like they could have gone a little bit more with it if it was gonna release in December. Mm. They had a movie release in December. It was called Aquaman. Maybe this one wasn't ready, but like, did it have to come out now? Could it have waited until this December? Maybe. Mm. Like, they they could have leaned into it and made it even more fun, in my opinion. No, you're right. I think they could have benefited from a few more fun Warner's related tie-ins. There's a ton to pull from that. Uh, you have Gremlins. You have all of the fantastic uh, Harry Potter universe. You have so many great uh, Christmas uh, tie-ins for that side of the franchise world. The, uh, you're right. But I also think that something that is interesting about this movie is that I think that they is like this movie has to sit in a way that this movie does stand alone. Like this movie has to be able to sit alone because. Poor Warners doesn't know what the fuck is going to happen with Cavill. And they know that they're not going to get Affleck back. So, in in a way, the DCU is already kind of dead. I think that Affleck will show up, like, if there is a Flashpoint movie. We've talked about this. That if, if that happens, you know, do you bring Affleck back? Is he definitely there? We don't know. But, uh, you know, at this point, you know... In, I, yeah, I think that releasing this movie at Christmas when Star Wars was coming out and you had a little bit of a break from uh, the superheroes and there was a big gap after Avengers. Yeah, you're right. This movie would have made gangbusters, I think. But I think that they were worried about it. I also think that they had uh, a good point to do it now because this movie was made on a budget that you know a Clint Eastwood movie is made on. It's not mm-hmm. made on the budget of an MCU movie at all. MCU or Aquaman. Aquaman was double this budget. Double. Yeah. Like, I get I get that Aquaman has more CGI. It has more visual effects even built into the idea of just being Aquaman. But think about a movie like Ant-Man and the Wasp like and the level of effects that go into that movie and how much they made this movie for for a very convincing... It was almost like a, a Blumhouse feature. You know what I mean? Like, they made this movie for indie movie money. Yeah. And that's a really great thing. It's, and to have New Line kind of backing that... I don't know. I think that maybe uh, Warner's is, is doing well in building steam and momentum. And I'm excited for them to continue building momentum. Because that's something that you we did experience with the early days and and in different, more dynamic parts of the MCU, is that you see where they're building towards a thing. Mm-hmm. And that those post-credit scenes, those movies are always the most exciting. Where, you know, the uh, post-credit scene at the end of Winter Soldier, where you have uh, Wanda and Pietro for the first time, the uh, post-credit scene, even though it didn't go anywhere, but you have Thanos at the end of Age of Ultron again, moving the story forward, when you have... Uh, you know, the end, the post-credit scene from Thor Ragnarok where you see, oh, fuck, this is where we're going to start for Infinity War? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's such a, you know, like, 
that part, the building momentum of, okay, well, here's Aquaman, and here's his story, and here's him succeeding and triumphing in a way that you never would expect to, to cheer on or root for an Aquaman character. And uh, conversely, here's Shazam. I, this is, and, and Shazam, I, I want to say, as a collector of the Justice League of America action figures, Shazam is not an Ant-Man. An Ant Shazam, I would say, is below an Ant-Man. Like, <laughs> I would say you have your... There's four, there's four tiers to superheroes, okay? You have your A-list. You have Superman... You have Spider-Man, okay? Yeah. You have your B-list, okay? Your B-list is like Flash, is like your uh, Thor back in the day, okay? Yeah. C-list for DC, I'm going to say, is like a Martian Manhunter or a uh, or Aquaman. Sure. Uh, one of the, you know, more of an annual kind of comic book appearance kind of character that you're getting the annual for as opposed to maybe reading every comic every month. And then your D-list character, I'm saying, would be like fucking Howard the Duck and yes. Shazam. <laughs> like, like, this is low on the totem pole. Yeah. Well, I okay. think that's the thing. Anything else? Now you're I seeing mean, the references the, the in mom- this movie were tight. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Frank. You, now you're seeing the momentum? Yeah, I'm seeing momentum. Uh, like you were saying that uh, the MCU built early on, and this was like one of the criticisms back when, you know, Justice League came out, it's like, okay, well, why didn't they do the origin story movies first, blah, blah, blah. And now that they've done them, it's like, okay, they're building this world, they're getting the momentum, and, like, they could build up to something bigger now that they have these other characters. But unfortunately, they've lost, like, Henry Cavill and and Ben Affleck along the way. And so it's like, what they're going to do next, I don't know. But obviously we've got Joker, which looks great, and they're doing the Birds of Prey. And and they've got they've got a lot of stuff coming and you know the Suicide Squad with with James Gunn so like okay can we do can we, we can do a quick, up, we can do I, a tight five minutes on Joker right can we do tight five on Joker five, tight five minutes on shot in Jersey City uh, what oh yeah uh yeah I mean I, I wish ZB was on here because I know he would be down to talk about this too that trailer is fire that trailer is absolute fire yeah it looks great. There hasn't been a DC trailer that good in a million years. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's epic. The I mean, it may, I'm like welling up. Like Joaquin Phoenix inhabiting the trailer, like it just makes me it 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 makes me nostalgic for Heath, man. Like when people gave the fuck to make a a Scorsese level performance out of these comic book characters. Holy shit. Like, he's just delivering, and the action in this movie looks tremendous. And in the, char- the characterization, the makeup, the costumes, the music, the Pagliacci, the Pagliacci, come on, come on. Like, like what are you, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, it looks great. I think we save it for another time. <laughs> it's, we're going to have more to, to come from it. It's going to be... It's we've got a couple months before it comes out, but yeah, it's looking like a very high point of these DC films. Um, and uh, make good films, make good movies, make good movies first, and I think that's the that's the path that they're taking now, and and it, they're better off for it. So the only the last things I want to say uh, before we wrap up. So um, obviously, like like we were just saying, there are movies to come. Um, this movie didn't make a lot of money, Shazam. I I, I think. It's got a lot of goodwill and got a lot of great critical response, but 
Um, and I think they would probably want to make a sequel. And obviously they, they have some teases towards the end with, um, Mr. Mind, the caterpillar guy, which is pretty silly, but seems like it could be fun. Um, do you think we'll get another movie? Yes. Here's why. Uh, this character is now the heart of the, heart of the DCEU. Um, something that the Flash could have been, or uh, Green Lantern could have been, or Superman could have been. Uh, this guy, Zachary Levy's embodiment of, of uh, Billy Batson, Shazam, as an older character, is, is the heart. And I think something that they're going to see is that this movie will... Um, it didn't come out at a good time. I think Warner Brothers was skeptical. I, didn't think, I don't think that they knew what they had when they launched it. Mm-hmm. I think if they had been a little bit more, had a little bit more belief in it, they would have pushed it for mid-July or August. Like, let this movie come out in the summer. Let kids go out and see it. Uh, and I think what they did, why they released it now, was because they thought people like me and you are going to go see it and maybe go see it a bunch of times. But what I don't think that they realize is how many other films come out between now and Infinity and now and Endgame. And uh, that there are a few other things that people have on their radar that they're not going to go back and revisit this movie immediately in a theater again. I also think that this movie, it doesn't need to be in a theater to go watch it and be enjoyed. It has kind of a good DVD and Blu-ray quality. So I think that this movie will do gangbusters on home release. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, in a way that like Aquaman, I think, like when Danny and I saw it in theaters, it looked spectacular. But even like watching the uh, CinemaSins, everything wrong with Aquaman, I'm like, this looks like shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, so so uh, I don't know. I don't know how this movie is going to be uh, viewed, uh, like in that medium. I don't know. Uh, I hope that this movie uh, gets a sequel. I think that uh, Le- uh, Levi or Levy is definitely signed up for a sequel. I saw that the writer for this movie is also tacked on for the sequel, apparently. Uh, I'm sure that they have big contracts with these guys because, um, first of all, if you look at, like, where Zachary Levy has kind of been for the past year, like, he was just on uh, Mrs. Maisel in season two, and he was phenomenal in that. He he was, he was tremendous. Um, but now doing this movie, like, he's pretty much aligned with <coughs> Warners, um, and that's great, uh, and... I want to see him do more, and I think Warner's is good at keeping their people around. Uh, I want to see Zachary Levi play a doctor in a like a scary movie. Ooh. I want to see him play a dad in a uh, kind of an action adventure kind of Goonies movie where like the kids are on an adventure and like he's trying to ca- like run along with them and be a part of it, but they don't want him to be. I think <laughs> I just wrote my next movie. There you go. Uh, like I just like I, like. I want to see him. I want to see him in more, and I think this is going to be his big. I know that Chuck has made him, you know, a fan favorite. I think this is going to launch him into the realm of the the national zeitgeist, and I think this, it's going to transform is, his celebrity. This is his movie that, like, this is what uh, basically what happened for Chris Pratt with Guardians of the Galaxy, and now he's like everywhere. I think exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, this is a personal shameless plug. <laughs> I booked my first ever comedy gig where people put me on like a thingy and I'm going to be there on purpose uh, on April 13th at Duplex in Christopher Street in New York City. So 
Uh, if you're around, it's a Saturday night. You can cub. You could watch me. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes and you know on our website if you want to get tickets. Uh, but it would be great. You can come down and say hello. I've been doing like this comedy music for a while. It's my first ever gig, and it's in New York fucking city. I'm very excited. Uh, so please come on down and see. So like, let me ask you. So I know you've been doing the open mics, and we yeah, went yeah. To, to one of your shows recently where you've been uh, doing your your your, uh, my your music, your yeah. stick. But is this is this more of like a stand up, or are you doing it with with the music too? No, I'm doing just my music, man. Like awesome, I think awesome. I think you know. Uh, I like to be able to hit both open mics. I think it's like double uh, performance time experience points. Yeah. Uh, and I really enjoyed just like writing these songs. It's been fun to kind of, you know, not take myself so seriously and write stuff that makes me laugh and so, a few other people too. So yeah, I, I'm really so you, excited. So you're basically, you're doing a set of, of all of, all the stuff that you've written so far instead of just like bits and pieces. You're probably like, well, probably not bits and pieces. Pro- I'm, I, no, so, I mean, cause it, because because otherwise, at like the open mics, like okay, you can do like two songs. Here you're oh, gonna yeah. like, kind of do your 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 catalog and you know, do like, yes the so, lead up and full full thing. You're totally right. So what happened? I'll just to get explain this very quickly. Last Monday, I went up to go do a new open uh, an open mic and do new songs. It's at the open mic at FM in Jersey City. It's a very good open mic. There are tons of people who go there. Shout out to you if you're there, Patrick, the bartender. He's my friend and the man. Uh, anyway. I went up and I did a new song about being bald and if and it bombed like nothing has ever bombed before. <laughs> I brought my Les Paul to play it, so I bombed on my awesome like expensive guitar in front of all these like other people who are totally judging me for it. Okay, no problem. So like I shake that off and the cool thing about going to open mics is usually there's something, you know, if you're in the early part of the week, you can go the next night and kind of go make it up. And I went to Corkscrew Tavern, which is uh, up in the Heights in Jersey City, very cool place. I had a burger. Bar staff was very cool. And then I went to Nick, the main guy who runs it, Nick Ciavada. And I went to him and I'm like, hey, man, like, you know, what's like the time limit here? And he's like, oh, you can do like 15 minutes. And I'm like, I'm going to do like my full set of songs, which is about seven songs right now. Um, And I'm just going to run through them as fast as I can. And we're just going to do that. And he's like, have fun. That's great. No problem. So I went up and I pretty much did these songs that I've been practicing that a few people have heard and uh, they're on a Dropbox thing, but I'm working on something to maybe make them more available sometime soon. Uh, but yeah, I just ran through them, and it was fucking awesome, and I built up my energy, and I built up steam. I have them arranged in a way that it builds momentum, and by the end, the bar guys were having a really good time, and they were digging it, and it was good. And then I, the two nights later, I went. I did a, a very similar thing for a friend who had an open mic in Jersey City, and the guy picked me from there, one of the other comedians, Sib. Awesome. A really super dude. So, yeah, I'm really excited, as you can tell. Uh, you know, and I, I can't wait. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be fun and I'm going to do as, you know, uh, probably six of my songs. I'm probably not going to play uh, all seven of them so that I have always one put away because one of them is really about the cold weather and I can't really play it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, fair enough. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. Ch- check out AJ April thirteenth, um, nine thirty, right? Uh, yes, nine thirty, Christmas tree. Awesome. Great. All right. Um, so I think we should wrap it up here. Um, I really, really enjoyed this movie. It was really fun, really funny. I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it yet. Um, and you know, tell tell warner brothers like what you thought tell us what you thought we want to hear your your feedback um 
as always, you can find us on um, LLH Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can email us at info at longlostheroes.net. You can like and subscribe on iTunes and all the podcast platforms, all the P's. Um, and, you know, we really appreciate all the support that you guys give us. And um, we we have a lot of content coming up in the next few weeks. So stay tuned for more. Anything else? Game of Thrones. I want Game of Thrones. I want Game of Thrones. I want Game of Thrones. Listen, okay. Amazing. Fans, friends. Yeah, with that, so we have Game of Thrones coming up. And we are definitely going to cover that every week. Um, so stay tuned for that. And um, I think that'll do it for us this week. Thanks, every- everybody. And we'll catch you pretty soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.